there in listener land. Welcome back to Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. This is the only podcast on the entire World Wide Web where you will hear on a weekly basis the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about psychology and the mental health professions in general, the truth about children, and the truth about child-rearing which is today called parenting, a very strange word indeed. This particular episode of Because I Said So is prompted by recent conversations with several highly exasperated female parents, all of whom are exasperated by their children's relentless demands for their time and attention. Two of the exasperated female parents in question called their exasperating children high-needs children. The term high-needs child, far as I can tell, traces back to one Dr. William Sears, the California, there's California again, pediatrician, who single-handedly came up with and popularized Demonic parenting. Oh, uh, sorry about that. I mean, attachment parenting, which enjoyed two decades or so of popularity in the late 20th and early 21st centuries. Attachment parenting was preceded historically by democratic parenting and followed by gentle parenting. You have to say it that way. Gentle parenting all of which are variations on demonic parenting, which American parents, at the urging of ding-dong psychologists and other ding-dong mental health professionals, embraced in the late 1960s to put all of this in a proper historical context. Anyway, the exasperated female parents in question are all in their 30s, which means they don't know that when I was growing up in the 1950s, What today is called a high-needs child was merely an annoying little brat. The exasperated female parents in question don't know that in the 1950s, the last decade during which most American parents were clear on what they were doing, which wasn't making their children happy, that mothers back then weren't generally exasperated You get exasperated when you're trying to make your child happy. Back then, American parents were trying to equip their children with the skills they would need to get a job and their own places to live by no later than age 21. It worked, obviously, because people my age do not remember encountering people in their 20s who were still living with their parents. The exasperated female parents in question share certain things in common. First, their kids, 
are still throwing Olympic-sized tantrums at ages four, five, and six when they are denied some narcissistic request. I'm talking about tantrums where they scream like inmates of bedlam, throw things, purposefully break things, kick, hit, bite, spit, and so on. Second, the moms in question are trying to understand why their kids throw these monumental fits. When their kids finally calm down, these mothers ask them things like, how were you feeling when you got upset and broke the television set? And are you mad at mommy for not giving you the cupcake? And can you think of another way you can let mommy know you're mad without biting me? And let's both say we're sorry and hug, and then you can have the cupcake, okay? Okay, then, I'm sorry. Are you sorry, too? And, and no, I'm not kidding. Those are the sorts of things today's moms say because they've been told to say that sort of stuff by the experts. Those are the sorts of things today's moms say when they've been reading lots of parenting books, but not my parenting books, let me assure you. Third, these moms all think their supposed so-called high-needs children need more of their time and attention. So they carve out special mommy times during the day when they do nothing but play or read books to their monumental, tantrum-throwing, narcissistic, maniac children. Fourth, these moms don't seem to get it. That the more time they spend with their maniac high-needs kids, the more tantrums their maniac high-needs kids throw. Fifth, the moms in question are beginning to think there's something wrong, like psychologically wrong or neurologically wrong or chemically wrong with their maniac high-needs children. One of them asked me, for example, if I thought her child might be bipolar Ironically, the child in question, most if not all of the maniac children in question, in fact, is bipolar, but he's not bipolar because of some biological glitch. He's bipolar because all toddlers are bipolar. That's why we have the term terrible twos. But the child in question is bipolar like all terrible toddlers because... Toddlers are sociopaths in the making, all of them. Some are simply more clever about it than others. Consider that adults who behave like toddlers are usually found in maximum security prisons. But John, you might be saying, I thought you said these maniac children are four, five, and six. They're not toddlers anymore. Why are you calling them toddlers? Good question. I'm calling them toddlers because it's obvious they haven't outgrown the terrible twos. They're stuck in toddlerhood. Some people get stuck in toddlerhood. Some people, again, most of them, thankfully, are in jail, get stuck in toddlerhood all of their lives. 
The children are quest in question are stuck in toddlerhood because their parents have catered to toddler behavior ever since they were 18 months old or thereabouts. The catering in question is called enabling, and enabling is what 99.99% of parenting experts tell mothers to do. Mothers. 99.99% of parenting experts tell mothers to enable. It's what the purveyors and pushers of gentle parenting tell moms to do. Most recently, said purveyors and pushers will, of course, deny that what I just said is true. They claim to be telling moms to discipline and set boundaries. Go to their websites. That's what you'll see. You'll see the purveyors and pushers of gentle parenting claiming to tell mothers to discipline and set boundaries. No, they're not. They're telling moms not to punish. Well, I'm sorry to be the voice of reality here, but the only way a child stops behaving like a toddler is if he's punished for it. You can't talk a child into behaving properly, folks. You have to force a child to behave properly. Remember, all young children are sociopaths in the making. And I'm not talking about physical force. I'm talking about making a young sociopath what I call a godfather offer. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you need to watch the Godfather film trilogy. A godfather offer is simply an offer a young sociopath can't refuse. It goes like this. Let's take a monumental tantrum-throwing, maniac, narcissistic, sociopathic, child, the parent of said maniac, sociopathic, narcissistic child simply at some point says, Billy, I no longer care if you throw maniac tantrums. You can throw as many as you like from now on because the moment you begin throwing a tantrum, your day is done. It's over. Kaput. You will spend the rest of the day in your room and go to bed immediately after dinner. And meanwhile, I'm taking all of your toys, every single one of them, to the storage unit. You will have no toys again until you have not thrown a tantrum for a month straight. Got that? Mind you, sweet child of mine, I want you to throw tantrums because your tantrums from now on will give me a much-needed break from you. Capiche? It'll take a few weeks, but the maniac, narcissistic, sociopath, and the making child will eventually get it and stop throwing tantrums because you have made him an offer he can't refuse. Throw tantrums, and you'll be in your toy-less room for the rest of the day or don't throw tantrums, get your toys back, and be a free child in Paris. Today's moms, 
they don't think they have permission to establish firm, hard and fast boundaries between themselves and their kids. They think that saying things to their children like my mother had no problem saying to me and nearly all moms said to their children back then will traumatize their children. I'm talking about saying things like, did I give you permission to come in here? No, I did not. I am working on something important or I'm reading something or I'm relaxing and you don't have permission to be in here with me. And I don't care what you think you want right now. Get out of here and entertain yourself until I decide that I want to be a mommy again. Go. Oh, John, a mother says, that sounds so mean. Look, good people, you want your children to know that you mean what you say, don't you? Yes, you do. Well, that requires making yourself perfectly clear. Nothing short of making yourself perfectly clear will turn that wheel. From a child's point of view, you are mean when he discovers that you mean what you say. Not sorta, kinda, sometimes. But whenever you speak, you mean it. It is vitally important, ladies and gentlemen, that children know their mothers are not at their beck and call. The mom who is at her child's beck and call is raising an insufferable child who will, in all likelihood, grow up with zero respect for women. No boundaries, no respect. And let me assure you, I'll say it again. Today's mothers do not think they have permission to set non-negotiable, hard and fast boundaries between themselves and their children. They think good mommies are at their children's beck and call. That is the sort of self-demeaning junk mommies buy into when they unwittingly join the Good Mommy Club. The Good Mommy Club is a post-1960s phenomenon. The Good Mommy Club just sucks mothers into it. How do you know you're in the Good Mommy Club? You know you're in the Good Mommy Club when you get together with other mommies and all you do is talk about your children. That is the defining feature of membership in the Good Mommy Club. You get together with other mothers and all you talk about is your children. You talk about what you're doing for and with your children, the amazing things your amazing children are doing, the amazing plans you have for your amazing children, and so on and so on and so on and so on. The Good Mommy Club imposes certain requirements upon its unwitting membership. Pay as much attention as you possibly can to your children is one such requirement. Spend lots of time with your children. Do lots of amazing things with your amazing children. Lead your children in the process of all that to believe that in your home they are royalty 
and you are nothing but a servant, or worse, a biological vending machine. The good mommy stops being a wife. The good mommy stops having interest outs, interests outside of her children. The good mommy stops growing as a human being. This has been growing for some time now, people. This being good mommy club doctrine that effectively denies mothers the right to be anything but a good mommy. Maybe 30 years ago, I came across a parenting magazine in a bookstore with a tease on the cover for an article titled, 10 Things You Should Never, and never, the word never was in this like scary, you know, Frankenstein, Dracula print, 10 things you should never say to your child. Okay, so who reads parenting magazines? Dads? Do dads read them? No. Do grandfathers read them? No. Moms read parenting magazines. So the junk that's in them is targeted to the brains of women with children. So, curious, I opened the magazine to the article in question. Ten things you should never say to your child. Thing number one was, I wish you'd never been born. Well, alrighty then. Can we all agree that it is completely inappropriate and insane to tell a child you wish he or she had never been born? Yes. We can. And by the way, there are actually people out there in the world who actually say that sort of thing to children. Those degenerate, insane people actually exist. But here is a further fact. Those degenerate, insane people aren't reading parent magazines or listening to this podcast. So why did the parenting magazine in question include that as one of the 10 things parents should never say to their children? Well, they did so in order to create the impression that things number two through 10 were just as bad as telling a child you wish had never been born. Check it out. Thing number two was, I don't have time for you right now. Okay. I don't have time for you right now is supposedly equivalent to I wish you'd never been born. It's like saying the same thing, according to this magazine, by implication, just in different words. Well, folks, my mother said that to me. I don't have time for you right now. Well, run along, go find something to do. My mother said that to me. It wasn't traumatizing when she told me she didn't have time for me at the moment. I didn't break down weeping. I didn't think she really meant, I don't love you. And I wish you'd never been born. I merely thought she was busy and didn't have time for me at the moment. And so I went off and found something else to do. Okay, thing number three was, you're bothering me. Well, my mother said that to me too. When she said, you're bothering me to me, 
I was, in fact, bothering her. That's all. Children can sometimes be very annoying. They need to know when they're annoying so that they will eventually stop being annoying. Thing number four was, I'm not going to help you with that. Well, my mother said that to me. She meant that if I tried harder, put my mind to it, I would be able to solve the problem in question without her help. And she was right. Always. Thing number five was, I don't care how you feel about it. Well, my mother said that to me. Children are often driven by their emotions, and they need to learn that emotionally driven behavior and thought isn't going to get them what they want. All of the nine things one should never say to one's child, my mother said to me. People my age tell me their mothers said those things to them, too. Like my, my mother, they didn't scream the nine things. They didn't snap belts in the air when they said the nine things. They just said them. Why aren't today's moms supposed to say them? Because today's candidate for the Good Mommy of the Year Award is not given permission by the culture to establish a boundary between herself and her child. And those nine things mommies aren't supposed to say are merely means of creating that boundary. Today's good mommy club mommies are supposed to be in codependent relationships with their kids. But they're not supposed to know they're in codependent relationships with their children which is why I take every opportunity to tell them. I asked my mother once, she was 80 at the time and a very sound mind. I asked her, when I was a child in the early to mid fifties, mom, and you got together with other mothers, did you and other mothers talk about your children? My mother's answer, oh no, we talked about interesting things like politics and movies and travel and books we were reading and recordings we were listening to, and stuff like that. We talked about interesting things. My mother, a single parent for most of the first seven years of my life, was an interesting person. I learned from my mother that women are interesting people. That is probably the greatest gift my mother gave me. All children deserve that. Okay, folks, that's a wrap for today. Thanks for listening. I'm John Roseman, and this has been yet another exciting episode of Because I Said So, the only podcast on the entire World Wide Web where you'll hear the truth about psychology, children, and child rearing. If you're so inclined, check out my Substack at substack.com. If you're further inclined, check out my websites, johnroseman.com, parentguru.com. I'm certainly glad you joined us, and I hope you will again. In the meantime, keep on rocking in the free world. Because I said so, 